Welcome to Side Talks Podcast. Hey, we were just talking about Bjork on our way out of the last podcast. That's right. So why not talk about Bjork on our way in? Who are you? I'm Bjorky Craft. Does that work? <laughs> that does not work. Okay, You're Corey Craft. Corey Craft. I'm Rachel Morgan. Um, just a quick word about Bjork. I think I might have told the story on the podcast already, but just in case I haven't, uh-huh. I, it needs to be. It needs to be you know living histories, right? So my friend Alex Pollock, who listens to this podcast, uh-huh. is um, also a. She's a photo editor. And she once was on a photo shoot with Bjork, and uh, Bjork walked up to her and said, "I would like a small apple cut into fours." That is that that is the least surprising Bjork story I've ever heard. I'll tell you that much. Welcome to the Side Talks podcast. <laughs> So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a Friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. McBrobro, it's Rachel and Corey. Hey. Hi. It's been forever, it feels like. It has been forever. You know, y'all had a live on location, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) I get it, I get it. Well, dude, what have you been watching? Well, okay, before we get into that, I want to mention one thing that I watched with you, and yeah. it was that Reba McIntyre concert. Oh, okay. yes. Oh, fancy, fancy did not let us down, Corey. And you know, she's now slated to perform at the Academy Awards on, well, as of this recording, Sunday night, uh, because she sings one of the nominated songs in that Glenn Close movie nobody saw. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, oh! Oh, good for cool. you, Reba. Something to look forward to with old Reba. It was oh it was gosh. quite it a was, night, wasn't it, Lisa? It was quite a night. I mean, okay, Reba had like six different costume changes. It was crazy. Um, one of, so sometimes when she would change, there would be like the band would jam or whatever, and then you know she'd have time to be changing elsewhere. Um, but one of the times that she changed, she just on the screen behind her, behind all the musicians, played clips. I suppose her favorite clips. From the hit television show Reba. Yeah. I felt like we got a little sitcom break. It was very odd. Lisa, both me and Lisa were like, what's, is it, is this really happening? That's fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, it was great. And the people watching was great. And the crowd was great. Um, and there was so much happening. Oh, she did have a whole little sort of gospel praise section. And there were a couple of women like standing in the aisles, like praising the Lord. They the were witnessing. They were witnessing. I'm not <laughs> yeah. even joking. There were hands up in the air. There were prayer hands up in the air, Corey. We also saw, saw a full grown man put a hot dog in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> was it wrapped? Not only was it wrapped. Yeah. He, wait, he bought it. Uh huh. We had our eyes on this gent. Okay. okay. We already we already knew he was he, he looked like he had come out he looked like an extra in Urban Cowboy, but in the like in the scenes where they're at the rodeo. <laughs> and and he had this slick back hair. I mean he was like from another era. And he, he kind uh, of has a depression era vibe. Wow. I'm not gonna I I feel certain I will not hurt his feelings because I don't think he listens to the podcast. So he yeah. unwrapped the hot dog, dressed it with mustard and ketchup, yeah, yeah. wrapped it back up, and then pulled open the pant po- his jean pocket, which was very tight, and put it in his jean pocket and walked off. No, okay. Mm. It was unreal. I wouldn't believe it if I didn't also witness it. Like, it was unreal. Because he had two hands full of, like, popcorn and soda or something. So he had to get the hot dog back to the... I mean, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Hot dog pocket. You know, that's why why cargo shorts are a thing. That's true. He needs a little more room. Maybe we should have talked to him, Lisa. You know where you get a little more room is in a cargo short. 
or bring I a you know a fanny would. pack or something like that. He is not a fanny pack cargo guy. He had a look. He would never go for that. Also, they wouldn't have let that fanny pack in. Really? We, we found oh, out the true. hard way that you you had to have a clear bag to get in. Mm. And for, there was a GNO, a Reba GNO trying to get in the door. And um, they told him no because of their purses. And they stepped probably three feet from the security guard. <laughs> and one of them <laughs> bent over and packed the purses in the back of the pants of one of the ladies. And then she proceeded to walk past the security guard with um, what looked to be like a, a tow truck coming out of her back. Wow. It was so obvious. They let her in. They know? let her in. So so we so Lisa had a purse too and and she just uh took Tony's back of his pants and put the purse right in there and we walked in. We could we go were on more for days. Though. Yeah. 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 So, we could go yeah, on for days, Corey. It was a great time. There was just, yeah, so much fun. It was great. I thank you so much for that wonderful birthday. Oh, happy belated. Exactly. Uh, But other than, other than Reba and the memories that have been playing through your head over and over and over again, what have you been watching? Okay, y'all. So I, okay. I've been trying to catch up. I'm very behind on the podcast and um, I have been trying to catch up, but you know, it'll just Tony and I try to listen to it together and then we'll get busy and this and that. So um, we are plugging through, and then just a few weeks ago, we re-listened to the episode where I told you guys all about Crawl Space, mm-hmm. yes. Stephen Weber, yeah. yes. which I think should have been called Attic Person, but you know. Um, and in that, <laughs> y'all both recommended Hider in the House. Did you watch Hider in the House? Uh, yeah. Hell I yes. watched it. Corey oh is God. very excited. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I mean, I've been on my list since, so I kind of put it on the list and then forgot. And so when I re-listened to that the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I've got to watch that. Like, got to. And what, what a, what a, I don't know if the word treat is right, but what right. a, <laughs> a journey, a trip, an adventure, like, wow, wow, wow. I mean, it has everything. Like, um, I mean, okay, where do you even start? I mean, Corey, where do you want to start? I mean, we start the the conversation has to start and end with with Sir Gary Busey and Sir Gary Busey alone. I, I mean, you you got you got Mimi Rogers in there, and that's no slouch. You got Michael McKeon in there, and that's that's There's great. There's nothing like G, a little GB though. GB um, oh at gosh, his y'all. most GB, like this most is the most GB. Gary Busey any movie has ever gotten, and it is amazing. And, uh, so much, uh, yeah. I mean, he. Wow, he's like eighty five percent legs. First of all, eighty five percent legs and fifteen percent teeth. Oh man, he could easily fit a hot dog in his pocket. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So you know, it's immediately brutal right off the bat. There's a lot of child abuse at, told via voiceover, and then scary drawings and photos. And yeah, you know, there was a really particularly good child version of Gary Busey photograph shown. And I read later that the voiceover was actually his nephew. Um, but I don't have confirmation on who the photograph was, if that was the nephew or if that was perhaps a childhood photo of Gary Busey. But it was definitely a Busey relation. I think it's Jake. And those jeans are strong. Let's be real. Jake, yeah. that, Jake looks a lot I mean, like Gary. Those Busey jeans are something else. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They keep that lineage tight. Um, yeah, wow. So it was immediately super brutal. And um, there was a lot, yeah, child abuse, and then, you know, burning down the parents house and, you know, there, but they're abusive parents, you know, it's the whole thing. And, um, you know, you he, the whole throughout the whole thing, you it is a complicated character, because there are they do in a lot of ways make you want to root for him in a way. But then you're like, wait, I'm rooting for this weirdo living in this family's attic and like slightly terrorizing them. So it is this kind of this kind of thing where you're like, what? Well, who is he? Is he all bad? Maybe he's just, you know, 
maybe he's just messed up. It really shows you the flaws in like the you know mental health health yeah. system for sure. Um, but teaching uh, moment, yeah. <laughs> and you know he has a has a caseworker who really cares about him and wants to do more, but the system won't allow it, and we got to let him go on. You know all of these things, but um, yeah, wow, wow, wow. And then um, okay, so he finds the house and you know starts I guess squatting in there, but it's more than squatting. Like he built a whole false wall. Like it's an elaborate hiding situation um and then you know Mimi Rogers was so great I really liked her also her whole 1989 mom jean look was so now like everything she wore I literally see like every single day yeah yeah it's like is it like 80s star or is it hipster we don't know hard to say hard to say yeah lines and blurred um but uh, oh, and then also, okay, so yeah, Michael McKean, he's kind of in a serious role, although he usually, even in comedy, sort of plays the, you know, the straight man in a way. So, but this was just him in a, you know, a non-comedy type scenario. Um, but did you know the, okay, you know, there's the neighbor who's a perv, mm-hmm. and he is played by Bruce Glover, yep. who is the father of Crispin Glover. Whoa! Yeah, I did and not you know can that. Definitely tell they. It's another line of jeans that has not um, deviated. That far. that you makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense and for he, Crispin. So he's a real the 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 pervy neighbor played by Bruce Lever. He's a real perv, and he's like watching Mimi Rogers swim, and he's just like you know creepy and stuff. And at one point, they're both. Michael McKean kind of gets out of the picture for a little while, and then, you know, both Gary Busey and the pervy neighbor have sort of kind of found their way into her kitchen, and they're trying to help her and, and win favor with her. And then, at that point, the pervy guy's being super creepy, and he touches her lower back and all this stuff, and then Gary Busey character, Tom, he actually sort of gets the guy out of there and sort of protects her, and you all suddenly he's sort of this hero-type character, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. And Tony called it the lesser of two pervs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Busey's, that's not the first time a Busey's been associated with that term. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and then, oh, there's, I mean, you know, very similar to, I don't want to say it's similar to Crawl Space, because I would assume Crawl Space is actually more similar to Hyder in the House, because it came right. later. But um, there is a, a dog death and another bug guy death. Yep. So they uh, both they, they know, really they copied. They Tarantino'd yeah, this. They Tarantino'd this up. Mm. <laughs> I don't love um, that but term. But then he'll do, you know, he'll kill the bug guy, kill the dog because they're gonna rat him out. But then other things like he actually rescued, also similar to how Stephen Weber's character behaved in Crawl Space. He rescued one of the little kids from danger. Yep. And then he rescued the older kid from a bully at school. Um, but then he taught that same kid it, how to fight dirty. So, I mean, it's just a real complicated situation everywhere you go, you know? Isn't it? And, it's um, like, what do you do when your perv also, also rescues you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a a question like, many of us are faced with every day. No, you never know. You never when, know. When he was, um, one point that we were just screaming about this, like, okay, so he finally, I think he, this is when they were in the kitchen and he ran the other perv off, Bruce Glover. And then he was just sort of making small talk with Mimi. And she's, you know, she's like a little interested because he seems to be, you know, charismatic at this point and not so creepy. And she makes pottery or ceramics or some kind of, you know, breakable decorative Of course she thing. does. And they're on the mantle. And, or she has some on the mantle. And he's like, oh, oh, these are beautiful. And, oh, I love these. And she's kind of like, oh, you know, would you like one? And you could have one in this and that. Well, then she leaves the room to go into the door or something. And then he's just 
fiddling with it on the mantle and he just like all of a sudden almost breaks it and it's like one of those scenes where like why did they do that they just probably did that to torment the the audience like we're you know because it's all of a sudden he just got was given this treasure gift which he's going to treasure and he almost breaks it and like spins it around on the mantle and it's just like he's sort of this chaos demon type character <laughs> where you're like, what are you doing like what if he's oh. you broke Ugh. and um later spoiler but when she does find his hidey hole in the attic she does see the piece of pottery and then you know puts a lot of it together right and that um Oh, and there was one thing that was kind of funny. Um, he, uh, there's, her friend is over, and he's sort of wrestling with this friend because the friend is onto him. And then they kick over this goldfish bowl, oh, and no. water goes everywhere. And I guess the goldfish gets, you know, killed in the instant. So then he, trying to clean all this up, he buys a new goldfish replace it and cleans it all up and gets even a new bowl, I guess, you know, it's a whole yeah. thing where it's like, where is he going and running around and buying all this stuff and successfully duping everyone? But I guess he can. And so then when, uh, she comes back, the Mimi Rogers is back in the house, like later that day or something, the goldfish is like four times bigger than it was. Like it's a huge goldfish. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> she's like, Oh, he ate a sudden, lot today. Right. It's like all of a sudden one of those kind of silly tropes where you, you kill the pets, you have to find a, a substitute. And so all of a sudden that happens in this movie and you're like, wait, what? But, um, but, I mean, overall, it was, like, a very serious tone. But there was definitely a few things like that where it was just, like, silly, you know, silly giant goldfish gags. Um, and, oh, there's this one part, though, where she, well, he's getting in her bedroom and he's creeping around and he's, like, hugging on her pillow. And As pervs do. It's so creepy. And you're just like, no, she's going to know you were there. <laughs> and then... Fully, fully, we, it's just like the gall. He, at one point, she's napping. She's, like, taking a nap. Right. She, he, he sneaks in, and he sits in this rocking chair to watch her sleep. And you're just like, dude, why are you doing this? And then he falls asleep, and then the next scene shows, like, sunlight. And he's sitting in that rocking chair, and she's in the bed. And it's like he's falling asleep, and he's there all night long. And he wakes up, and he's like, oh, oh, oh. And, you know, he's got to hide, and he hides in her bathroom. And, oh, my gosh, it was so cringe. We were, like... Uh, uh. And oh, well, before before she woke up, uh, or before this, he fell asleep and everything, but the night before when he was watching her, he was like rocking and like feeling on his calves Ew. in this super creepy, creepy, weird way. That's like, it's kind of like, it reminded me of, um, what's his name, Joaquin Phoenix and Joker, where he just is just like, the behavior is so weird and unsettling. And yeah. just, like, nobody actually touches themselves that way or like holds their calves that way. Just all kinds of stuff like that, where I was just like, and like hollering at the TV, but I mean, but also captivated because it's it, it, because he has such a complicated character. You're like, wait, what? What is going to happen? Like, how? Wah! But um, I did read that there was an alternate ending oh. that mm. actually made him more of a sympathetic, um, sort of redeemable character. But then they decided to just just kind of no, write him off as pretty much a bad guy and, and off him. Well, and, um, I, yeah, I do want to point out, Lisa, that, you know, you weren't that concerned about Mimi Rogers. You know, you were kind of like, I worried about him getting caught. You weren't really concerned that he's smelling her oh, pillowcase no, no. and the stuff. The whole time I'm concerned about her, these curves are circling around her like sharks. Like, it's, no, the whole time I'm like, her, she and her adorable mom jeans have me very worried. And the children, no. Uh, yeah, no, I yes, I was worried she would wake up and, like, see him and catch him, but also, like, then what would happen to her. But, yeah, that was the whole thing, too. It's like, what would happen to her? Because he sort of loves her, so surely he wouldn't hurt her. But then the way he treats her pottery implies maybe he would, you know. It's yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say. This is maybe kind of like 
the way that Taylor Swift has to live her life. But I mean, look, know? we're talking about a 1989 Mimi Rogers. Everywhere she goes, there's somebody who's like, can I have a lock of your hair? Can <laughs> I have your fingernail clippings? True. So True. like, you know, Corey she's was, used Corey's to it at that one point. of those people. No, no, come on. I was... Uh, mm. Anyway. <laughs> he's denying it, Lisa. He's denying it. Okay. All right. Well, ne- I, next next line of inquiry, please. I'm glad that you that you caught this one. I'm glad that we yeah. that Corey fed you this lead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It it was so intense. But but yeah, I mean, definitely a thinker and very interesting and then the, yeah, just so much Gary Busey, like way more than you would expect. Like you just uh, just all of the legs and the teeth and the and the acting and the rage and the it's just all there. So if you're a, a Gary Busey fan, you need to put this feather in your cap for sure definitely that needs to be the pull quote on the film more Busey than you'll ever need (laughs) (laughs) maximum Busey max triple x Busey anyway well thank you Lisa thank you for bringing this to us I'm glad you watched it I really know we have a bunch of people who are now pulling their car over to the curb to get on amazon.com or similar and (laughs) order this little bitch or to you know people who are inspired to look for hiders in their houses oh true oh my gosh yes seriously this one and the Stephen Weber one it's like wow it's apparently it's a little easier than you would expect so everyone go check your attic (laughs) right you know make sure and don't just glance in your attic that's the thing too these people lived in this house they've moved into so he he saw it being worked on like renovating people were renovating it when he started kind of like you know squatting in it and fixing up his little false wall area cubby hole and then they fully moved in there and just I mean eventually there was stuff in the attic and they had put some things up there you know extra boxes and things but like at no point did they check out that this one wall isn't really the way because there's a window on the outside that you can see but that is in his little room so if you were if you were really thinking about it when you were up there you would think why can't i see that window from in here but you know no one ever did so you know just everybody take a walk around your house count your windows (laughs) look out for gifts gifts you've given to people yeah for real if you find gifts you've given people in strange places you might have a perf you might have a perf that's a good tell yeah exactly so, um, yeah, it was a wild ride, and, um, yeah, definitely would recommend. Cool. All right. Well, uh, can't wait to hear what's next because, man, we're on a roll now. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye, Bye, Ross. Bye. Bye. Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> man, that's weird. Oh, it's that segment. You know, the one where we talk about weird things in That's movies. That's right. And, and oftentimes I like to focus on weird connections, strange, unusual connections. Sure, sure. Um, and so I've got one for you. Okay. I'd like to focus just for a couple of minutes here on the Bad News Bears, the 1976 version of the Bad News Bears. Are you familiar with this film? Uh, no, I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I'm not oh, I'm not hugely familiar with it well it stars your boy walter mouth my boy walter and uh and a and a you know i you can't really say a young tatum o'neill because even though she's award-winning actress at this point already and even though she's young she's older than she was when she won the academy award yeah so first of all i think you'll be interested to know that the you can probably picture that film's poster art right it's it's, uh it's you know you can google it really quickly if you can't if you can't uh think of it because it's it'll the minute you see it i think it's gonna it's gonna ring some bells and i want you to know that that poster art was drawn by jack davis who was one of the founding illustrators for mad magazine that does not surprise me yeah yeah um here's another thing about it if you you have no interest in this film maybe i'll catch your interest now because quentin tarantino 
mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh-huh. and Kevin Smith, who maybe you care a little less about, have all individually said that this is one of their favorite films. Yeah. Did you, you know, know that? I, I, I knew that about Tarantino. I didn't know that about the other two. But yeah, that's that's it, yeah, it's a very well-regarded movie in a lot of circles that I'm just not very familiar with. Well, it's very time capsule I think yeah. it's part of it. It's It really it, it sort of sucks you back in time to this sort of mid to late 70s kind of vibe. Um, Walter Matthau's son mm-hmm. is actually in this thing for a minute. Charles Mathau. So he, I think, later becomes a film director, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, in this film, he plays on one of the rival teams, mm-hmm. specifically the athletics. So they play. He he plays a little baseball in this. Um, and then finally, but probably the sort of longest section here, the longest connection here is that, um, interestingly, Jodie Foster mm-hmm. was cast in the role of uh, Amanda Wurlitzer, which is. Tatum O'Neill's character. Well, she right? had another movie come out in 1976. She did. So, uh, you want to go ahead and tell everybody what, why, why, uh, why Jodie Foster jumped ship from the Bad News Bears? I have to imagine it was due to conflicts with her role in Taxi Driver, yes, for which she was nominated for her first Academy Award as a young uh, child, and you know later Jodie Foster, of course, goes on to become Jodie Foster. Yeah, totally. Um, and so she got cast in Taxi Driver and made that decision. Actually. You know what? I mean, good good choice, but e- both of these are great films. Yeah, you know, I could see that going either way. You, alternate universe. What if Tatum O'Neill took that role in Taxi Driver I and not like Jodie Foster? This is interchangeable, and and in line with, um, even though maybe not officially, but in line with, we're going to try to find every young lesbian in L.A. and cast uh-huh. them in this role. Uh, Christy McNichol was actually offered the role. No kidding. Yes, offered huh. the role of Amanda Warlitzer. She auditioned for the role and got it. Uh, she producers told her she had the job. She went home and over the weekend, I think she got it handed to her on like a Thursday. And over the course of the weekend, she was cr- cramming for the role uh-huh. and, and really, you know, studying and trying to get in character. And they actually they gave her a call after the weekend was up and said, "We've gone another direction." So you think that was they cast her and then the producers got on the phone with Tatum O'Neill's agent and they were like, Academy "Listen, listen." We got Christy McNichol in the role. You gotta, you know, you're gonna accept these terms, or, or we're going forward with Christy. And then Tatum O'Neill's people were like, "Okay, okay, okay, yeah. we'll think about it." Yeah, yeah, I do. Playing a little hardball, and of course, you know what the connection there is, right? No, Christy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill then starred together in Little Darlings. That's right. In 1980, yeah, that that's was right. released in 1980. So that you know, they share screen. Eventually, right? Huh. So anyway, that's uh, that's what I have about the Bad News Bears. Now, there's a lot more to say about it, so maybe we'll redux a little bit. But those are some pretty cool connections, yeah, I think. Yeah, so. for sure. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Revelator Coffee-sponsored podcast, Side Talks. We are your own personal cinematic Kanye West and Pete Davidson. Oh, boy. Yikes. Uh, talk about two dudes I am tired of hearing about. Right. And not only that, but I would have normally said, well, I'd rather be Pete Davidson than Kanye West. And I, I still feel that way. But Pete Davidson hadn't been on his best behavior either. No. And. Uh, you know, when you don't hear a little piece of advice, a little piece of advice. Uh-oh. Uh, folks out there. Pete, if you're listening. Well, and this this is really, he's already, he's already done the damage. This is applicable to anybody else. Uh-huh. Don't send a picture of yourself lying in bed to anybody's ex and be like, here's what I'm doing right now. I'm in your ex whatever's bed right now. Oh, you think that's a little classless? Poor form. Um, 
don't know who that isn't that doesn't provoke. I mean, I'm you know even even if you don't care anymore, there's something about that that's just now in Pete's defense. Yeah, he had been needled and needled and needled oh, for agreed. weeks and weeks. I just don't know why that's but where it's, you go. It's not a classy move. That's, that's for sure. You, you, there's lots you of places you can stay go. Stay on the high road, there, Pete. Yeah, stay on the high road, yeah. and that goes for any of you listening out there. True, and still. I mean, the the statuette for biggest asshole in the world still goes to Kanye West either way. Yeah, not not making a case for himself these days. That's for sure. Anyway, um, but thanks to Batwell Studios. More importantly, absolutely than that asshole. Thanks to Batwell Studios. I think that we both agreed that we like Brad better than Kanye. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, much better, and better than Pete Davidson too, for that matter. Yeah, that's probably is true as well. Um, Sidewalkfest.com. Sidewalkfest.com. We'll That's got what lots we of movies. Next. We'll um, see you at the. We'll see you at the movies. Yeah, come see a movie with us and check Showtime Sidewalkfest.com or at Sidewalk Film on social media. Just search us on Google. We're findable. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.